0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 86 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Palolo joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman. Core Championship Sunday is in the books. We now officially have one final game of the 2022-2023 NFL season. I mean, a little bit of bit unfortunate circumstances in one of the games. The other game I thought was real good. The refs kind of stole a little bit of the show, but of course, we're going to get into that. But at the end of the day, Core a little bittersweet that this was the last Sunday till September that we had multiple games on the same day.
1: Yeah. I think it's kind of a shame, you know, like some unlucky circumstances for the 49ers. We'll get into that, but yeah, I think these were the four best teams in the NFL and yeah, pretty crazy. We're down to one, one Sunday left of NFL football, but hey, I've been enjoying watching football, but yeah, I mean, I was I was pretty glued to the TV these last this this past weekend, so definitely getting ready to recap it. Of course,
0: and you had to be. I mean, we'll start first with the NFC Championship between the Philadelphia Eagles and the San Francisco Forty Nine ers. The final here was thirty one seven, and of course, people are going to see the score. And people who watch the game know it was completely one sided. It really is a shame it feels like that we were really robbed I mean the 49ers and the Eagles were clearly the two best teams in this conference and to see Brock Purdy go out on the first drive with the UCL injury which actually they said that it might be like a six-month injury is now we'll get into his future in a little bit was definitely a shame I think that of course that throws everything with the 49ers completely off of plans going to Josh Johnson who's your fourth quarterback of the year a guy who's literally been to half of the NFL teams it seems like at some point in his career just the definition of a journeyman so you can't really expect to go win an NFC championship game on the road with Johnson at the helm so it's a shame for the Purdy situation I I still thought the 49ers fought at least in the beginning uh and especially in the first half I think a big turning point was right before halftime Johnson fumbled the Eagles scored to make it 21-7 but I also like don't think that just because Purdy was down that we should just, like, give the 49ers a completely free pass. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, without a quarterback, they probably – they shouldn't have won the game anyway. But, like, they definitely made some mistakes, like, as a team as well as their coach. I mean, first we'll start with, like, early on in the game. I mean, the fact that that Devonta Smith catch was not challenged, I think it's pretty crazy. Even you see Devonta Smith, like, signaling to Jalen Hurts and the rest of the Philadelphia Eagles to hurry up on offense. I don't know. I think that Kyle Shanahan definitely – had a lapse there, and you could say that all the on-field assist didn't help him out, like how they have that implemented. But still, I mean, that was such a big turning point. That was before Purdy got hurt. That's the first drive of the game. It's a fourth and seven. Like that could have completely swung momentum if he challenges. Instead, it Devonta Smith doesn't catch it. It leads to a walk-in touchdown, I believe, for Miles Sanders. And then the next drive, Purdy gets hurt. Literally, could have changed the whole game. If, Shanahan throws the challenge flag, so that's definitely something that Shanahan will sit on all offseason. Because yeah, that's just like ugly, and again, that has nothing to do with your quarterback being hurt. That was, uh, in fact, that was even before Purdy went down. Like that's that's a mistake that can't be happening in the championship game.
1: Yeah, I mean, in that in that in that scenario, I think when you see Devontae Smith signaling like that, I mean, as a as a coach, I think you got to be on that and throwing your challenge flag, or at least be suspicious of why Devonta Smith doing it. And I know that's early in the game, but, you know, I mean, you get down on a what fourth down and you throw a deep pass like that. It's, I mean, it's a big change of events. It's not like it's a small penalty, like you get the ball with pretty good field position going the other way at a zero zero game and instead you blink and it's 7 nothing. But I think this game, I mean, the Eagles put up 31 points, but realistically, the offense only put up 269 yards total offense, so it was kind of a the game was kind of hard to describe i think i mean after that first drive the eagles offense really did not look good and then christian mccaffrey had that insane touchdown run bouncing off defenders giving that them was one. incredible and then to make it 14 to 7 the 49ers just kind of shot themselves in the foot that drive they were mm-hmm. kind of just getting penalties not like really big penalties a lot of like Legal hands to the face, defensive holdings. I think there was three penalties on that drive, and Miles Sanders capitalized it with a 13-yard touchdown run. Kenneth Gainwell also ran well on that driving in that game, and then obviously it's 14-7. You're still in the game, and then Josh Johnson drops a snap, and then you give up another touchdown before half. I think like after that, it was kind of they like I really thought the game at that point like there was not much life for the 49ers. The thing is, we definitely got robbed. I think Brock Purdy. People are gonna be like, "Oh, like they'll win this game." I still don't think they win the game, but I mean, I think the Niners just needed a functional quarterback. When you have that good of a team around you, you just need a guy who's gonna be able to deliver simple throws, and your skill players will do do the rest. I think honestly, I don't know if Josh Johnson stays healthy. I don't know, I think it's not that much of a blowout. It's just, I mean, maybe, just because they have the second quarter finish. But, I mean, it was 7-7, and the the Niners are shooting themselves in the foot and then fumbling and giving the Eagles great field position. I think, you know, the Eagles obviously are a very good roster on paper, offense and defense. But you look, I think this game kind of, yeah, I mean, I think most teams in this scenario who were like, in the playoffs, probably get this win against a 49ers team. But the thing that people don't realize, I mean, like this 49ers defense is still elite, but you could tell like frustration was certainly just building up a lot of penalties. Like who was it? Was it, was it Dre Greenlaw? When Greenlaw. He- yeah. Dude is absolutely just punching the football as mm-hmm. hard as he can. You could tell just frustration was building up and I guess I don't blame them. It's tough when you don't have a quarterback in, and- you're literally forced to run the ball every single play. And if you throw it, it's literally like a one-yard throw. Like Brock Purdy couldn't throw. It's it's just a shame for the 49ers. And from here, i like to see where you think they go. I mean, obviously, this team, if they keep together their core and whoever their quarterback is, I mean, it, it it's a shame just because it's been a lot of years that they're close. Like, what was it, 20? 2019- 2019, losing yeah. in the Super Bowl,
0: last year losing in the NFC Championship. And again, uh-huh. that's three of the four years that you've made it to the NFC Championship and you have zero Super Bowls to show for it.
1: Yeah, but I think you agree. Like, when you're the Niners in this situation, you're not going to blow everything up. I think if you stay healthy. No, just- absolutely not. Yeah, Super Bowl contending team, no matter what. I think you've just got to trust the process and hopefully a Super Bowl comes soon with- within time.
0: Yeah, listen, I'll talk about the game a little bit, and then I'll kind of segue this into our 49ers conversation what's next for them. You mentioned a couple of really good things about that, that, like, we could play this game, shoulda, coulda, woulda, like, if Brock Purdy plays, who wins. But the 49ers, again, weren't perfect. They played well on defense, I thought, to an extent. The Eagles had two really long touchdown jobs on them, where they honestly, like, pushed the 49ers around. Yeah, they didn't run like crazy, get any big games, but the Eagles dominated – San Francisco up front like the Eagles offensive line is one of the best groups of football and they really showed this past week and I thought they did a good job of controlling the game there, especially with like, I mean, given those circumstances too, like the fact that San Francisco got a backup quarterback and wasn't able to dominate like time and possession and continue to pick up first downs was so big that Philadelphia is just like continuing to put them in a hole. That's why it irks me so much that when it's 14-7, there's like a minute and a half left, you're getting the ball at halftime. And you end up like trying to push the ball down the field. Like, I think Shannon got a little greedy there. Like he probably should have just ran the ball into half. I know Johnson like fumbled the snap, but he threw a ball the play before, and it looked like he was going to throw it again. So that's definitely something that whole thing about. And like you said, the penalties for San Francisco was unbelievable. And I know their defense was definitely pressing, and they know they had to make a play at some point. But yeah, even earlier, when it was like still 7-7, like it was just ridiculous the amount of that, that were getting called. I mean, the refs obviously people are going to say that. They would have to get San Francisco and stuff like that. I don't believe in that stuff. But, like, the refs definitely played a big factor in this game also early on. Like, the punt that, like, hit the wire supposedly. And, like, they were just like, yeah, we can't see. Like, we have no clue. Like, that was crazy. The refs definitely dominated this weekend. I think that's a fair theme to say across both games that, like, it's not good when you start talking about officiating. Like, really good officiating – People don't mention the ref, which is a shame that they don't get their credit, but that's just how it goes. But when a a ref crew is really bad, that's when they start to get mentioned, and there was a lot of people talking about the refs this week. But, yeah, I mean, the 49ers at the end of the day, the Eagles did their job. We'll talk about them in a little bit. For the 49ers in their future, I wonder what's going to happen with Brock Purdy. I think that if you ask me, I kind of think it's like a no-brainer in the sense that They traded for Trey Lance. Like, they traded up for Trey Lance for the purpose that they thought he could elevate their offense more than a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm not saying that Brock Purdy is Jimmy Garoppolo, but I'm also not saying that, like, they bring vastly different things to the table. Like, I thought Purdy was playing at a level maybe even better than Garoppolo had with the 49ers. But at the end of the day, Trey Lance's ceiling is so much higher than Purdy's. Purdy, if you want to even go with, like, was he really completely tested? No, like, no, maybe. But like, don't get me wrong. I mean, he had some impressive wins and I'm not going to take anything away from him. I think that honestly, he should definitely get a chance somewhere to start. But I think if I'm the San Francisco 49ers, I have to roll with Trey Lance because their Super Bowl window has been open right now. And if it's been open that long, I mean, it's just going to start to close a little bit when you're going to have to start paying people. And I think Trey Lance is such a special talent. And if you see what a guy like Purdy can do in the system again, you're just reiterated the guy didn't. I mean, technically, this is his first loss as a starter. Like, what can a guy like Trey Lance with his athleticism do? in this system, it makes me really wonder how much better San Francisco can somehow get offensively. So, yeah, I hope that they go with Trey Lance. For Purdy, it's unfortunate. I think that if they stick, stick with Lance, they'll probably keep Purdy around for this year unless they got a crazy good trade for him and then maybe reevaluate at the end of next year. But who knows? And uh, I'm curious to think, like, what do you think about Purdy as a quarterback and, like, his stance come 2023? Like, do you think he'd be good enough to start on another team? And if, do you think it's the 49ers as well?
1: I would think Hurdy, honestly, the way he played this year, he did not lose a game. And, I mean, against Seattle, he got the job done. And then, I mean, against Dallas, he kind of – he won the game. I think the fact that he's out at least six months now, I think – I mean, you look at it it's now, it's almost February. I mean, going to take you almost into August. That's almost like training – like that's training camp preseason. so. I mean, if you're out that long, I I don't think he's going to be the starter. I just think it's unfortunate, like, he got hurt like that. I think it is going to be Trey Lance's job. But if he didn't get hurt, I mean, let's say he just, like, got out and he'd be fine in, I don't know, a few weeks. I would say it would be Brock Purdy's job. I mean, you look at Brock Purdy, he didn't lose a game. And the team kind of played, like, really, really well. I mean, Jimmy G gets hurt. They really didn't lose a beat. So I think unfortunately with the injury it is gonna be Trey Lance's job. But like with Brock Purdy healthy and back, I think he could definitely be a starting quarterback for some teams. I'm not like a I'm not a I'm not like other people. I think other people are acting like Brock Purdy's like amazing. I'm not gonna say that. I just think on this team, you you play quarterback. I mean you have so such good weapons and like such a good system that. Most guys I think would thrive in, in San Francisco. But I mean, you're right. Trey Lance, you look up, I mean, the thing that Brock Purdy like you gotta say, I know he like didn't play in this game, but the 49ers have know what it mean, like know what it feels like to get to a Super Bowl and lose. They know what it feels like to get to an NFC championship game and lose. And like that's exactly what happened this year. Despite the circumstances of the injuries, they I mean, they failed. Their goal to win a Super Bowl. So I think despite Purdy not getting a fair chance at it, because he did get hurt. I mean, I don't really think they would have won anyway. But I mean, like Trey Lance definitely does elevate your team. At this point, even if Trey Lance, like his floor is worse than Jimmy G or Brock Purdy, like you're you're not winning a Super Bowl with Jimmy G or probably not even Brock Purdy. I mean, I don't think they were gonna win. Like I said, he didn't get a fair chance at it. But like with Trey Lance, you're kind of swinging more for the fences, obviously, and you have a chance of winning the Super Bowl. So I think they're definitely gonna ride with Lance in 2023, especially because Purdy got hurt. But I don't see Purdy going for anything more like in a trade off right now than a third round pick. I think it also doesn't it hurts him that he was mystery relevant. I mean, if this guy was a higher draft pick, maybe teams would probably think of him higher. But obviously quarterbacks are in need all over the league. So I wouldn't be surprised if a team took a shot on Brock Purdy. Hey, the Jets. <laughs> the Jets are like, hey, we'll give you a, a third round pick. You guys give us Brock Purdy. Let's see what we do. I mean, I think it's gonna be Aaron Rodgers, but I mean, hey, that's just like an example. I wouldn't be surprised. I think Brock Purdy's definitely displayed good quality football out there that I mean there's some teams in the league that would take a chance on Brock Purdy.
0: Yeah, there definitely is, especially obviously the need for quarterbacks all across the board. I personally don't think, though, the Niners would move him actually for a third-round pick, even if they went with Lance, just to have that insurance. And just because Purdy with three years left on his deal is really valuable, like if he's if you think he's a quarterback who's going to play for your franchise in the foreseeable future, even him with two years, then if they were to keep him as the backup this year, would potentially like still have a lot of value. The only thing that could be a problem with keeping him is I mean, the leash has got to be kind of short with Trey Lance with the fans, you would think maybe some fans like start calling for Lance's head if he gets off to a slow start, which would just be unfair for him. What bothers me a little bit with the Purdy analysis, and which is the problem for the 49ers, I mean, you would have loved to see Purdy play against teams like Philadelphia or potentially in the Super Bowl against the Kansas City or Cincinnati that like, yeah, the, like the system can get you there, but then you need the quarterback to finally step up and take you over the hump. Mm. Like, Even we saw like with Garoppolo, like they coasted to the champion to the super bowl that year they killed minnesota running the ball and they killed green bay running the ball that year in the playoffs even last year too like they they rolled their defense in that game against the packers in that snow game they against the uh, cowboys ran the ball really well too so it was never like You'd love to see your quarterback go get you and, like, win you the game and stuff like that. We haven't seen that from Purdy. Purdy hasn't gotten the chance to. So, yeah, I think you go with Lance, swing for the fences. But that's enough with the 49ers because they're eliminated. Let's swing it back to the Eagles because we haven't really talked about them. And, I mean, look, it's an easy path for the Eagles to the Super Bowl. You played the Giants, who were a team that was definitely ahead of schedule. And then you play a 49ers team on their fourth quarterback for – essentially the whole game like you said they played all right on offense i think their big problem too now is if you want to say that people trying to evaluate the eagles have been like oh they haven't really played a ton of great competition all year and they beat who they're supposed to beat and like they kind of like haven't like hurts has never really had to go into a shootout let's just say and stuff like that well that also hasn't been the case now in the playoffs so they could potentially be in for a different style of game that they're not prepared for against the chiefs i mean like you said even the last two weeks they have gotten up to leads and stuff and they've just been able to dominate teams because I I, like I'll even say like I thought they dominated the line of scrimmage offensively against both the Giants and San Francisco and especially with neither team really posing that much of an offensive threat it's easy for your offense to kind of like just coast and play conservative but that's not going to be the same thing against the Chiefs so for the Eagles don't get me wrong impressive and stuff like that they put up 31 points again a little misleading against one of the top defenses in the league but yeah, not your typical, if you ask me, Super Bowl run. Like, they haven't played their starters, really, in the fourth quarter. almost either. Of course, they played their starters in the fourth quarter of this game, but you know what I mean? That, I mean did did Hurts finish this game?
1: Nah, Minshew. Minshew finished that's it. That's
0: what I'm saying. So, now, that's absurd that your quarterback has not finished the game in either of his playoff games, if you ask me. Like, I think that's pretty – like, that is pretty crazy. I think it's definitely crazy, but I'm not going to say it's like –
1: Consumer. I don't think
0: it's all. Uh, – I'm sorry, because I don't think it's a problem as well. And I think yeah. that, like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, the Eagles are going to lose solely because they haven't had, like, big game experience in that sense. No, I just think it's just, like, very unordinary is what I'm going to say. I mean, mm-hmm. look at the Rams last year. You know what I mean? Like, in the playoffs last year, they played, like, down to the wire in the divisional and the championship round, and yeah. even in the Super Bowl.
1: I mean, yeah. I mean, gonna you know, like, briefly look ahead to the Super Bowl. I mean, the only thing – the Chiefs definitely have more – like close games. I mean, that game over Cincinnati will get into was an absolute nail biter. They had to be battle tested. I, I I still think the Eagles, like, I know they've had a, like almost like a Mickey mouse road to the super bowl, but I don't think this is a Mickey mouse team. And this one, it kind of seemed like they kind of struggled throwing the ball. They kind of leaned on their O line and in their running game in, in this one. But I, I still have confidence in the Eagles. Honestly, I mean, Jalen hurts. I know I don't think he's a hundred percent. I mean, it's clear he's not a hundred percent, but he's gonna have two weeks to rest, just like Patrick Mahomes. And Hertz has displayed ability this year to be able to sling the ball downfield and and throw it. So I'm not really I'm not like obviously it's ordinary that like they haven't had to play their starters in fourth quarters of these playoff games, but and and they haven't really had like like a big big time win, but. I mean, I, I think they're ready for a game like this. Like, I don't think Philly – I mean, Philly is kind of a small favorite right now. For the Super Bowl, I think Philly is is able to beat you in a multitude of ways. I don't think it's just, like, they have to get up and then they have to run. Like, if Philly got down the Super Bowl, I don't know, 10 nothing. I wouldn't count them out. Like, if the 49ers got down 10 nothing, I wouldn't – I just wouldn't have really much confidence. It's just – Jalen Hurts, I have confidence in him. I I know he's not 100% I said, but I still think Hurts can lead Philly, like, on that offense. I mean, the offensive line is absolutely ridiculous. It's just – I don't know. They're just such a very well-balanced offense. I think if the run game's not going well, I'm, I, I have confidence in Jalen Hurts to get it done, even though he didn't really against the 49ers, but also, like, the Chiefs' defense is not going to be as good as the 49ers. But I think this Eagles team is – a really good football team. And yeah, I think they're very balanced and can definitely beat you. Like they can beat you in a grind it out type of game. And then they can beat you 38 to 35. I have confidence in them in both ways.
0: Yeah. That's like one thing I'll say about this. I mean, yeah, maybe they did have a little bit of struggle throwing the ball early in the game when it still was close. But, I mean, what are you going to do? you Are going to tell them, oh, yeah, you should have thrown the ball when you were up 21-7, pushing San Francisco around up 28-7? No, like, come on. You're going to play to win next week and stuff. And, again, like, he's shown Hurts that he's making so many, so much progress this year as a thrower that it shouldn't worry me. I mean, like I said, people who have doubts, he, he could prove them right on the biggest stage or prove them wrong on the biggest stage. What I want to kind of talk about, too, though, we talked about, like, their weaker type run to the Super Bowl, though, but if you look back at past NFC champions, court, if you ask me, I mean, we were talking about this a little bit before the show, like, I think the Eagles are a better all-around football team than the Rams were last year. I think, yeah, maybe the Rams have a little bit more star power, you can say, like, I mean, there's no Aaron Donald on the Eagles, even Cooper Cup, to that sense, but, like, top to bottom, this roster has absolutely no holes for the Eagles. It's actually incredible. Like, what is the worst position on the Eagles? I actually, like, am not 100% sure. Maybe
1: like their linebacker,
0: know. their linebackers maybe, but like T.J. Edwards has been so good this year, and like Hassan Reddick, I mean he's an edge, but again had what fifteen something sacks this yeah. year. So Reddick's a monster. Like their run game's amazing. I mean they don't have like an elite talent at running back, but they do it by a committee. It's just crazy how good this team is from top to bottom. I mean, would you agree with me that they're like better than the Rams last year? I mean, just going back a little bit further on that line, like the last three NFC champions are the Rams. The Bucs and the 49ers, obviously, with the Rams and Bucks being Super Bowl champions. I actually think the Niners, a couple years ago, would give this Rams team would give this Eagles team, like, a good game, hypothetically, if they matched up. Which which is fair, because I thought the Niners, with Purdy, were just as good as that team a couple years back. So, that makes sense. You know what I mean? But even, like, the Bucs team, like, I think the Eagles are a more dominant team than that Bucs team was.
1: I, I honestly agree. I'm not trying to just, like follow what you said but yeah i think this this eagles team despite the run the mickey mouse kind of run like this team is not fraudulent it's just it's a star-studded team i mean yeah like like they don't have a top top superstar but like there are stars on this team like all over the field offense and defense i think they're better than the rams i'd probably get the slight edge to the bucks just because they had tom brady i mean they had gronk a.b like yeah, the team was like nuts. Evan Godwin, really good defense. I mean, that run defense. And then, I mean, like, Devin White. They had a, they had a good defense. I mean, I'll, I'll put them over the Rams overall because I just think the Rams didn't have as much – they didn't have, like, as much like a well-rounded team, like you said. Like, yeah, they had Aaron Donald, Cup. I mean, Odell was – Odell got hurt. But I'd probably put the Eagles behind just the Bucs. I'll even put them over – the Niners, just because I mean that Niners team obviously was really good, but I don't know Jimmy G. Obviously, another. I mean, maybe him and Purdy are kind of similar. Like I just don't have confidence in, um, in 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 Jimmy G. to get it done in like big games. And hey, you call it fantasy bias. Like I have confidence right now in Jalen Hurts to deliver like what is needed. I mean, he did miss some throws in this game, honestly, but I still think Jalen Hurts is able to elevate his offense so i'll put i'll put the eagles only behind the the 2020 2021 bucks
0: yeah i mean you make a good point i think the bucks is a really good debate maybe i was a little too premature on that i mean i was thinking too like the bucks really clicked at the right time in that with the eagles like their whole body of work and i know again like their schedule wasn't as hard like the eagles are just were a lot more dominant throughout the regular season whereas the bucks like they finally clicked that year in like week 14 i want to say i think they went on that win streak where like they ended up finishing like with nine straight wins or something like that. So it's it's a good debate to be had. There's definitely really no debate to this fact that Howie Roseman is one of the best general managers in the National Football League. I mean, it's absurd in a league where Super Bowl windows are pretty small and narrow that this guy in the span of, I mean, the Eagles were just in the Super Bowl in 2018. They won that with Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. You have a new head coach, a new quarterback, and like like the turnover on the roster is ridiculous. I mean, outside of Fletcher Cox... Brandon Graham, Lane Johnson, and I'm um, Kelsey. I'm not sure if there's really too too much holdover on those rosters there. Like I really don't know if there is any. Maybe Elliot. Elliot was the kicker. Maybe his yeah. rookie year, possibly that that could be like it's just absurd. Like how well he was able to develop this team, build the team inside the trenches, wh- whether it was through the draft and then develop obviously jalen hurts is going to be his home run and then on top of that then finally when he saw the window start to open like it, it creeped open you can say like going into the offseason this year you're like all right if you get a really good step from jalen hurts in the right direction if we can put some talent around him this is completely a super bowl team no doubt about it and what did he do he filled some of those voids he brought in cj gardner johnson he drafted jordan davis to be with that run defense and of course the big one is he went out traded for and paid A.J. Brown. Just an awesome job from Harry Roseman. Definitely something that other executives around the league need to learn from and see about how you're able to do that. Because, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's crazy that on a new head coach, and Sirianni's only second year and stuff like that, Jalen Hurts going in his third year, that they are back in the Super Bowl. And favorites right now, I believe, as you said, in the Super Bowl. But we're not going to talk about that. That's enough Eagles talk for the week. Obviously, we're going to talk now about the next game. Our Super Bowl coverage will be on next week. So we'll get back into the Eagles and talk a lot more about them. Maybe you didn't hear enough about their strengths and weaknesses, but that's all for next week's episode. With that being said, Corey, we'll turn it over to the ASC, where we got a lot more competition like, – A lot more of a competitive game there between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals Core They went into Burrowhead, as some people would call it, and the Bengals came up just short. The Chiefs 23-20 victory, thanks to Harrison Bucker's 45-yard field goal with about four seconds left. Obviously, the big one will be the play right before that field goal. Joseph Asai trying to make an unbelievable play. Just a little, like, control. He played so good down the stretch in this game and really, honestly, just a bonehead move. And, again, you can't halt the guy for the effort and stuff like that, but you got to have a little bit more situational awareness. Mahomes is clearly long out of bounds. He already was out of bounds, and he hits him, sets them up for 15 yards. Now, I don't think that it was necessarily, like, a lock if he doesn't get this penalty that the Bengals would have won. That's what a lot of people, I don't think, are understanding, too. I thought the Bengals, I thought, like, they played really good defensively in this game. I don't think that, like, offensively they had – like some struggles with Chris Jones specifically at the defensive tackle position. I mean, they had like one, like four sacks early on in this game. Yeah. Kansas city. They settled in a lot Cincinnati and they made a couple big plays, obviously the big play to chase and the touchdown to T Higgins as well. But I mean, Again, Patrick Mahomes just continues to prove why he's the best quarterback in the sport and one of the best quarterback talents that we've ever seen. I mean, playing with that high ankle sprain, playing without Juju Smith Schuster, Miko Hardman was like in slash out of this game. He barely played. Kadarius Tony went out early. I mean, at some point, Score, they were lining up Sky Moore, Marquez Valdez, Scantling, who had an unbelievable game, and Marcus Kemp, who was just Elevated from the practice squad, obviously Kelsey as well too, but Mahomes 326 in the air, two touchdowns. Obviously that huge scramble that was set up by the penalty to get them into field goal range. He had that one bonehead fumble, I'll give it to him. Like that was really bad. But I mean, outside of that, again, just a real good game for Kansas City, and they were not going to get beat four times by this team, and it was pretty evident. So, yeah, really nice and all-around team win from Kansas City, too. I said Mahomes was really good, but again, that would be taking way too much away from their defensive line because their defensive line was awesome in this one.
1: This was definitely a complete win for, for Kansas City, and you could tell how much it meant to to all their players. I mean, after the game, they completely took this personal from, from, from the Bengals calling it Burrowhead and just kind of coming in there like they I don't know like they already won something like the Bengals obviously are a good team but realistically like you play to win the Super Bowl and after two like two years I mean last year like they weren't supposed to do anything and they made it to the Super Bowl and I think this year they kind of I don't know they beat the Bills and kind of got like some a sense of like entitlement that like they were just gonna walk into like Arrowhead and, and win it and they could just say Burrowhead but you look at this game, the Chiefs obviously a lot a lot went down. I mean, yeah, Juju gets hurt, Kadarius Tony gets hurt, Miko Harmon gets hurt. You're you're lining up guys, yeah, like Marcus Kemp. I mean, I think Isaiah Pacheco is actually like such a key piece to, to the Chiefs for sure. I mean, his ability to run, he just runs so hard and ability to just like burst and break tackles, honestly, was pretty impressive. Like that play were like, three guys near him, he broke it and, like, continue running forward. But, I mean, Joseph Asai, obviously, it's a tough moment for him. Obviously, a young player. You don't want to make a mistake like that. And, obviously, <clears throat> like, they definitely don't win the game if he doesn't commit that. But I think you're looking at overtime because the, the way the, the, like, the weather was going, like, Harrison Bucker is not kicking a 60-yard field goal for the win. And, yeah, I mean, it's just tough. For the Bengals, but Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he just proved in this game he is the best quarterback in the NFL for sure. And obviously, I mean, like, his resume right now, if he gets a Super Bowl, if he gets a win against the Eagles, I mean, you got to, like, start cementing Mahomes already. In my opinion, I'm not even, like, exaggerating. Like, as an all-time great, like, the stuff he's done in five years as a starter is absolutely remarkable. And in this game, he just found a way to to get it done despite – I mean, key receiver is missing. It didn't matter. Dude even had, I don't know, like how his ankle was feeling. I mean, it didn't look like a high ankle sprain. I don't know. See, I don't know what Patrick Mahomes is feeling. I mean, obviously, they probably gave him a lot of treatment with, like, the modern technology we have today. But, yeah, I mean, he, Patrick Mahomes is just a winner. And he went out there and got the job done for his team. Travis Kelsey caught a touchdown in this one. Marquez valdez Scanling stepped up. I mean, Mahomes just just different. I mean, Josh Allen, I say, kind of just makes, like, unreal plays. But, like, Mahomes himself, his ability to improvise and then just, like, these sidearm throws on the run, like that throw to Marquez Valdez-Salem I thought was pretty impressive. And, yeah, that fumble, it was pretty brutal. But end of the day, I think the Chiefs just showed in this one that, yeah, they're still, like, top dogs in the AFC and despite all that went on all these guys getting hurt Jadarius need getting hurt too in the secondary they're still able to get it done and it was a good season for Cincinnati but i mean yeah Patrick Mahomes hosting five straight AFC championship games um yeah he he's the best quarterback in the NFL and the Chiefs i mean that's he is the reason why the Chiefs are going to what a third super bowl in 5 years it's just it's it's pretty impressive Yeah, I mean, again, it's one of the best starts to a career that we've really seen.
0: Again, I'll talk more to that point that you were saying that, like, where he ranks already all time. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes were to walk away from football just at the end of the season, if he won a Super Bowl, I think it's actually like, is he all, he probably is a Hall of Famer. It's it's, it's actually insane to say that the guy played five years, but he makes the hardest position in sports look so easy day in and day out. And again, that throw to Marquez Valdez scaling was incredible and I think again what makes the Bengals then their effort so well is that like he played good Mahomes don't get me wrong but I mean again they kept him in check for lots of this game as well they did a really good job of limiting the ground game as well I think Lou Rumo again had a really good game plan for the Chiefs I mean that touchdown to Kelsey I believe was like on a fourth down it was kind of like on a broken scramble too as well but Kelsey just kind of like Posted up in the end zone, almost just like got like good inside leverage on. I can't, maybe it was Von Bell. I want to say I don't remember exactly what it was in that game, but yeah, I mean Cincinnati's defense like kept them in it enough. But I mean the Chiefs' defense really got a lot of co- contributions as we mentioned all over the place. I thought Burrow played all right. through the interception on with the T Higgins ball twice. Like the first one where it looked like a, maybe a little bit of a miscommunication, and then later threw into double coverage on a similar play that he threw the touchdown or through the long play to Jamar Chase as well. But, yeah, for Cincinnati, it's going to be a long offseason. They'll have to think about what they could have done differently. Core. Before we get into Cincinnati, I mean, we have to talk about this. What do you think about that do-over play that they had? It was, like, third and nine. And, like, don't get me wrong, the ref 100%, like, whistled the play dead before it started. But then, like, he just got soft and stopped because I guess he didn't want to get, like, hit by people. But, like, come on, ref. Like, that absolutely cannot happen. Like, if you call a play dead, you have to do everything in your power to make sure it is dead. Now, it ended up not being too, too costly. Yes, they ended up picking up a first down on an Eli Apple holding penalty, but the Chiefs ended up did punting on the drive. So, if you want to look at, like, in hindsight, like, did it affect the game a ton? Not really. But yes, it still changed some field position and still took away some of the clock. But I mean, that was just one of the most, like, the craziest things that I've seen in a professional football game that they literally had, like, a redo of the down, it seemed.
1: I think, yeah, I agree with you in that scenario. personally I think it's not rigged. Like, like come I, on, ref. No, no, no. I think you're putting body on the line, ref. Like, come on. Yeah, I mean get yeah.
0: out there. What, 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 what what's the worst thing gonna happen? MDS,
1: all six, four, hundred and eighty pounds of them soaking wet is gonna run you over. <laughs> it's just yeah, I mean you gotta I, I know I know Arrowhead is an extremely loud stadium, but you have to you have to make sure that play does not get, like, does not happen because whoever, whatever happened, I I firmly believe if the Chiefs picked up a first down on that, they would get called back also. Like, I don't think it was just because they stopped them. I mean, I think the the ref did blow it dead. So, they just couldn't hear him and the play happened. So, I just think, yeah, you have to make sure it does not, the play doesn't get, like, it doesn't get played out because – whatever happens on the play, like one side's going to be complaining, like, what is this? Like, do you, do you agree? Like you think, if, like, it's not red. I think if the chiefs of, the yeah, yeah, arm, no, the play, yeah, of, of course. Like the chiefs still like, if even if they the first time, it
0: still would have been up. The problem also was that they let the punt team run onto the field. And then the ref's like, Grouped together, and they were like, "I yeah. called the play dead." Like that is horrible optics. Like you know what I mean? And, uh, and like especially like I mean again, two independent games and stuff like that. Like the first game, the 49ers yeah, they committed a lot of penalties and stuff like that. But like, like you can easily like that game was dominated with flags and like certain spots on third downs and stuff like that. And then you get to this game, and then you see a, like something like that. It's like, come on, guys! Like what, what what's going on? Like that like that is just such an avoidable mistake that happened. And again, that's just gonna like it's such a bad image for the NFL right there that like that sequence of plays, like I said, it's good that like the chiefs ended up scoring a touchdown in that drive. still, but that's just like horrible to pull the punt team off the field and then bring them back on for third down. Like it's just like, especially like with the chiefs advancing and stuff. And I don't know. It's just, it's just a lot. It sets the NFL up for a ton of criticism and that should never, ever happen again. If you call a play dead, then you have to absolutely 100% commit to doing it and keep running and throw your hands up in the air like I'm doing right now, but you can't see me. So that just absolutely has to happen. But at the end of the day, they got like they ended up punting. And then I believe after that, actually, Burrow throws the interception to – I forgot who picked it off, but T. Higgins made a great tackle on that play, by the way. Not talked about enough that almost saved this game for the Cincinnati Bengals. T. Higgins, like, touching him down, that was huge because it ended up leading to – Um, the Mahomes three and out. Burrow got the ball back with a chance to potentially win the game. They ended up punting, and then Mahomes sealed the deal. Core, what do you think about Joe Burrow? This stat: seven playoff games has not thrown for a touchdown in the fourth quarter. How do you feel about that?
1: I have mixed opinions on it. I still think like Joe Burrow is a winner and has kind of ice in his veins, but it's it's just shown when it gets to crunch time. He I mean, he himself hasn't really gotten it done. Even last year, I mean, McPherson was hitting all these game winning field goals. So yeah, I mean, I think Burrow, I think if I'm if I'm gonna hear that, I think it's that he he's good, but I mean, he still has like ways to go, like to be one of the best in, in like he's I think he's obviously still one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, but for sure, I mean he's got like you gotta step up in the fourth quarter, when when you need when you need to move the ball and you need to get the ball in the end zone, I mean, you gotta get it done. He hasn't been able to do that. So I think Joe Burrow, I'm not gonna I, I think Joe Burrow is a very confident player, but sometimes it seems like he crosses the line of almost cocky, especially just I don't know, maybe I'm not gonna like throw anything out there because I'm not saying it affects his play. But I mean the guy is always Smoking cigars, like maybe lay off the cigar a little bit, and you know, like throw a touchdown in the fourth quarter of a playoff game, and then like you could smoke some cigars. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, I don't think is out here smoking cigars after winning like an AFC champion, AFC championship game. I mean, I know Burrow got to the um got to the Super Bowl last year, but wasn't he? He was like the guys like smoking cigars after they beat the Bills. I think he's kind of. I wouldn't say like a look in the mirror because I think Joe Burrow is top quarterback in the NFL, but maybe just be a little more humbled. He is very confident, but just like a little more humbled. And yeah, just pick up your game in the fourth quarter of the playoffs. I think it's that simple. Yeah, I don't want to take anything away from Burrow. I mean, the guy's
0: still undoubtedly. I <laughs> still even think he's a top five quarterback in the NFL and stuff like that. But I think that maybe certain people give him just a little bit too much love. And I think that if he goes toe-to-toe with Mahomes in this game, the the Kansas City Chiefs aren't moving on to the Super Bowl. The Cincinnati Bengals win this game, and they go to the Super Bowl. Like I said, I'm not also taking anything away that like Mahomes severely – Like Kansas City's defense played really good in this game. They were beat up up front Cincinnati offensively, and it showed. Again, Frank Clark did a really good job. He always shows up in the playoffs. And Chris Jones, again, completely dominated this game. Probably, arguably, you could say he's, should be co-MVPs with Mahomes of this game. So, yeah, I don't want to throw it all on Burrow and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean – Core. Maybe I'm gonna be a little bit passionate on this because I just don't like how the media has portrayed Cincinnati and stuff like that. I haven't been on yes, they're a good team core. They were ridiculously cocky. They have not won anything. They lost in the Super Bowl last year, and then congrats. You got a nice win on the road against a really good Buffalo team, and you dominated them. Hats off to you. But they're really calling you Burrowhead before the week? They're, like, saying that they're going to take the DNA test with Mah- Are you kidding me? You guys haven't won anything. You would have thought that this was the prime Patriots, and they still would have never stood for that stuff. They, they deserve this almost in their face. Again, they had not earned anything, and they were talking way too much, and I thought they were just – don't get me wrong. There's – to believe in yourself and to have a ton of confidence is one thing to be arrogant and cocky is another. And yeah, I mean, Duncan, I am as a neutral party. I am very glad it's Kansas city in the super bowl, not Cincinnati and stuff like that. But with all that being said, I mean, it's still a real impressive two years, a crazy good turnaround from how they were the worst team in the league in 2019. And now they went to the super bowl last year and just went beat the bills and went toe to toe with Mahomes again in the AFC championship team. Now, their future, we mentioned Super Bowl windows. How open are they normally for? Their Super Bowl window still open, if you ask me, but they got an interesting offseason ahead of them. Core Jesse Bates, Jermaine Pratt, um, Von Bell, Eli Apple, all four of those guys, free agents, big contributors on their defense. Lou Adirumo, too, did get an interview with the Arizona Cardinals, so who knows, maybe potentially they could lose their defensive coordinator, who's one of the best kept secrets in the NFL. On top of that, they have to pay Burrow, who's extension eligible, potentially T. Higgins as well, who's extension eligible. So yeah, I think that this, like, it lined up for the Bengals to have a real shot this year, and it it is a shame that some of their offensive linemen got hurt, because if they were better up front, I think that they do have a chance to really win this game against the Chiefs and stuff like that, but... With that being said, I think, again, we haven't seen the last of them. I think this was the first – well, the second of many that we'll see between Mahomes and Burrow in the playoffs. But, yeah, it's got to be a little bit upsetting for them. But, I mean, if you're not a Bengals fan, I don't know really how you could have been rooting for this team. Because, again, I just thought they were way too cocky,
1: personally. I think they were very cocky, but I don't know. I still think they were definitely people. Rooting for the bang. Oh, they
0: definitely were. They're an easy team to root for, Corey, too. Because, of course, like, you know what I mean? They are an easy team to root for. But I don't know. I just thought they were, like, again, like, yeah, I'm a big – I'm an old school, like, pay your dues type of person and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Like,
1: I don't like – that that, that, didn't, that did not sit right with me all week. I kind of agree with that. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is – has won a Super Bowl. I mean, Travis Kelsey, like, they've won Super Bowls. So, I think – you know, I think it would be a little bit different. Like, let's say they were going into Buffalo. And you're acting like this. Like, Buffalo's never won anything either. So, like, the guys in that team have not won a Super Bowl. I mean, Patrick Mahomes is going to be a reigning two time MVP in five straight AFC championship games, one time Super Bowl MVP. Like, you got to, like, show some respect. Like, you got to respect all of your opponents. But when, if you're going to, like, disrespect the guy, like, Patrick Mahomes, you got to know, like, it's not going to, probably not gonna end that well. If you're gonna if you're gonna disrespect someone who's never won, I mean, I wouldn't recommend that, but like they haven't won either. So I guess you could. But I mean a guy like Patrick Mahomes who has won, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, in the whole Chiefs team, like most of that Chiefs team won the Super Bowl. So they're they're not gonna take that lightly. And obviously when they win that when they beat you in Arrowhead, they're gonna let you hear about it. We we got even Patrick Mahomes dad saying he's like smoking that Joe Burrow like they're all just they're all just clowning the Bengals and they kind of deserve that but hey maybe the Bengals I hope they could look at this as hey, like a learning everything is a learning experience I mean maybe next time you're in this position don't go in so cocky go in confident and don't don't like talk on social media like Eli Apple the guy I, love, I think Eli Apple's a prime like example of them being just, like, cocky and arrogant. Like, Eli Apple doesn't even do a lot. I mean, yeah, he He, he, play, like he played
0: – I'll actually give Eli Apple a bit. I thought he played pretty well on some
1: I'll give that to him. Yeah. I mean, he played pretty well. Obviously, that hold, like, it did lead to a punt. But, I mean, like, sometimes the outside noise could could get to you. And when your whole team, like, starts buying into that, I, I don't think that's just just not a great look. Like, just go out there, be confident in your abilities, and go go get the win. Like, you don't have to talk about it on social media – before the game but hopefully the Bengals take take notes on that while they're on their couches watching the super bowl and 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 learn about it and take that into account for next year yeah i mean because like it's still at the same like this is a special team i mean
0: they got a real core i mean one of potentially the best duos in the league quarterback to wide receiver in burrow to chase and then on top of that t higgins as well yeah i mean they were right there this year. They're a piece away and potentially even just a couple of healthy linemen away from playing uh-huh. next Sunday. But you know what? At the end of the day, they came up a little bit short, and they'll go back to next year, and hopefully they can get back to the Super Bowl and make it a second time in three years come 2023. With that being said, like we said, we are not going to talk Super Bowl prep yet. That's going to be for next week, core. Instead, let's talk about the head coaching carousel, Core. We finally got some hires coming It took a while. We're finally there. We'll talk about the one that happened last week before we get into two that happened today, literally within minutes of each other. First, we'll talk about the Carolina Panthers. They opt not to go with interim head coach Steve Wilkes. They instead hire Frank Reich. Reich, obviously, was the former head coach for the Indianapolis Colts and had an above 500 record there in his four and a half or even, yeah, four and a half years he was in Indianapolis. It could be five and a half as well. Don't quote me on that. But I think he's a really good hire with the Carolina Panthers, I mean, this is funny that, like, they have this connection not like, not intentional in this sense, but when Doug Peterson was hired with the Jaguars last year, obviously he was tasked to take Trevor Lawrence to the next level, obviously a guy who had coached young quarterbacks before and kind of had an offensive mind, a veteran coach with head coaching experience, right coming from Doug Peterson's coaching tree, actually, that's where the connection is, again, is going to be tasked to do the same thing With the Carolina Panthers, obviously they're picking ninth in the draft. So I think is a really good hire. I think that whatever quarterback that they draft will benefit a lot from him. I think that, again, anytime you can hire a coach that has had experience, recent experience winning in the National Football League as your new coach, I think it's a really good hire. Those coaches aren't really necessarily made available often. I think that he got the short end of the stick in India a little bit with how his quarterback situation was and who he was given and potentially even who he chose because I'm sure he had some say in that. But, yeah, for Reich, I believe he was the first quarterback actually when he was a player for the Carolina French, the Carolina Panthers franchise. And now it's a little bit of a reunion for him. So good for Frank Reich and good for Carolina fans.
1: Yeah, I mean, Carolina gets a new coach. i definitely expect them. I think – I mean, I don't know who they're going to have in the draft, but I don't, I don't think it's going to be. Like, I think Frank Reich – New coach, you try to bring in a new quarterback. I honestly don't think it's going to be Sam Darnold. I mean, maybe Sam Darnold will, like, start the season. I don't know who it's going to be if they they trade up. But, yeah, I mean, Frank Reich, obviously, when he was with Philly, back when, like, Carson Wentz was a little bit, you know, like, younger and and better, uh, he, he did really well there. And then, yeah, I mean, when he was with the Colts, they, they won football games despite like this year was kind of rough, but before that, he was definitely a really good coach. So, you yeah, know, keep it pretty short. I mean, Carolina, I wouldn't say it's like that bad of a spot, but it's not like that attractable. I mean, it's like a decent spot. You have like a solid defense with, I mean, a good pick. So I guess it's an all right, it's an all right like job to take over. So thing think like, Reich could come in and weather the storm a little bit and you know make this process in carolina a little a little better and a little more successful for in the next coming years so yeah i definitely like the hiring like you said a guy with experience who's had experience winning games in in this league is definitely crucial and, and that's what the panthers are getting
0: yeah listen i think um you're downplaying maybe how good of a spot this is. In this sense. I actually think this is a really good spot, also with an owner with a ton of deep pockets. Dave Tepper there. Their defense was sneaky good in the second half of the year, and I think the biggest thing is just the division. Like that division, the turnover there is just it's wide open. I mean, the Saints. Who knows what their future holds? They're in cap hell too as well this year. They don't have an answer at the quarterback position. Tampa Bay is facing in. Interesting offseason, to say the least, what happens with Brady and so on and so forth. And then Atlanta's kind of starting their rebuild in the center with Arthur Smith, and they're still looking for a quarterback there. So, I mean, I think there's a path that if Wright gets good quarterback play in year one, that this Carolina Panthers team could win the NFC South. So, I think this is a good spot for him. I think this is a really good hire for the Carolina Panthers. Hopefully, they can make some moves in the in free agency, and then we'll see what they do In the draft, I think that they probably might have to go up a little bit to get one of the top three quarterbacks. But if they like a guy like Anthony Richardson, potentially, I think at nine, that's probably a good spot for him. I think Stroud and Levis might go a little higher. I think there is going to be some pressure from teams trading up, but we'll have to wait and see. The big head coaching hire court just happened today, recording on Tuesday. Sean Payton is getting hired by the Denver Broncos. They are paying him a ton of money. They are also trading a first and a second round pick to New Orleans for Sean Payton. Denver also getting a third round pick back with that. Back to back off seasons, Denver swings to the fences. Last off season, they go for Russ and Nathaniel Hackett was his head coach. That was a disaster. This off season, they hope that Sean Payton can help rejuvenize Russell Wilson's career. Of course, I'm going to think this is the best hire they could have possibly made. Payton was one of the best coaches in the league until he stepped away um, at the end of the 2021 season. So yeah, I mean, almost like a must hire in the sense for the Broncos once they realized they, they could potentially get him and he was interested in working with them. It was almost like, all right, we have to do everything in their power to come get him with what mess they potentially created with Russell Wilson. But yeah, I mean, Sean Payton has really won with whoever was at his quarterback. Obviously he had all that success with Drew Brees and stuff, but again, uh, undersized quarterback, who he was able to get the most out of. And then even when like Brees would go out, like Teddy Bridgewater had a really good record, when he stepped in for Breeze, when Breeze was hurt, he's won a lot of games with Taysom Hill as his quarterback as well. Even with Jameis, they went to the playoffs. So I, I think that this is a obviously, of course, as good of a hire as you could have made. And coaches like Sean Payton don't readily come available a lot. So I think he's going to be able to turn Russell Wilson around now. What is the Broncos ceiling for 2023 in a division that's with the Chiefs, the Chargers, and the Raiders? I'm not too sure. But the future in Denver is a lot brighter knowing that Sean Payton is the man in charge. And Sean Payton is not coming back also into a rebuild. Like, I know the Broncos are still a couple pieces away and stuff like that. But don't expect this team now to go win four games next year if you ask me. Like, no, they're going to commit to doing everything in their power to get as good as fast as possible.
1: Well, I think even if you didn't bring in Sean Payton, I mean, I just don't see the the Broncos rebuilding – In general, just for what they gave up for Russ, like at this point you're just going to try to have to go all in and and be a contender. I think it's definitely going to be tough. But, I mean, like you said, Sean Payton, when he was in New Orleans, he would win games no matter who his quarterback was. And, I mean, I'm still a believer that Russell Wilson, I mean, you don't just, like, forget how to fully play football. Like, maybe, yeah, he's not as good as he was in, like, Seattle. But, I mean – it's tough to think of this Broncos team as a contender, like to win a Super Bowl anymore after how bad they were this year. But look at the AFC West, like they're not—they're not, they're not going to be better than Kansas City. I mean, if it's like a night and day, like they just completely flipped the switch, maybe. And I don't even think. I mean, we'll talk about Justin Herbert. Um, they just got Kellen Moore as offensive coordinator. Uh, if we even talk about, it, but yeah, so. I would say like maybe if like they absolutely like Ross just come back they could finish above the Chargers, but I really don't think that happened. Like I realistically think this at best is is a third base team, in the AFC West. I mean it's a really good division, but yeah I mean, Sean Payton's definitely gonna come in there, change things up, and I expect this Broncos team to not obviously not be like they were this year. I still I think they'll win games. I'm not gonna sit here on what is it, January 31st, and tell you, like, are they a playoff team for next year? But, I mean, yeah, you look at the ceiling, I think it is it is a playoff team. I mean, obviously they lost, like, Bradley Chubb on defense, but defense still did perform well throughout the season. So, I mean, yeah, Sean Payton, anytime you get a coach who's won a Super Bowl, I, I think it's a great hire. And, I mean, Russell Wilson's also won a Super Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, Denver is kind of a big-time wild card for next year, just because, like, you know in the back of your mind they could be a really good team, but also in the back of your mind you're like, this year they were supposed to be a really good team and they were they were terrible. So it's a big wild card, but if I had to pick, I would lean more towards them being a good team, not like a Super Bowl contender. But I think the Broncos will rebound and be a good team in, in 2023.
0: Yeah, I could see them being, like, a Miami this year. Maybe, like, at certain points where they're at their peak, now you think that, wow, this is a team that could go toe-to-toe with Kansas City and Buffalo and Cincinnati maybe in the playoffs. But, like, also at their low, you're like, yeah, this is a team that's going to, like, could squeeze into the playoffs. If I had to just go, like, early. And, I mean, again, we haven't even gotten to the offseason and stuff like that. Like I said, Sean Payton is just the first of many moves that I would expect for the Broncos to make. Because, again, Sean Payton would not take this job if he wasn't confident that he could win very soon. Demeco Ryan's. One of the hottest head coaching candidates, a lot of buzz around him, potentially even going to Denver. He passed up the Denver job. It's a little bit of a homecoming for him. He used to play for the Houston Texans. Now he will be the head coach there. six-year contract, which I mention that because back-to-back years, both David Cully and Lovie Smith were fired. So hopefully not the Mecca Rhymes will get a fair chance to rebuild this organization. Obviously, with the second overall pick, it looks like they're going to go quarterback. We would be stunned if it wasn't a quarterback. Curious to see who he hires as his offensive coordinator there, because obviously they're going to be like given the job of developing that quarterback. But yeah, a guy who really rose once he got to the 49ers and in their organization. And the 49ers have have this incredible reputation now of developing head coaches under Kyle Shanahan. I mean, first Salah, Mike McDaniel, who looks real good, and now Demeco Ryans. And again, they lost Salah, who was one of the best defensive minds defensive coordinators in the game and they get Ryan's and their defense only got better. So I think it's an awesome hire for Houston, a young up and coming coach who has a lot of promise, obviously familiar with the area, familiar with the organization. So yeah, really good hire for Houston and hopefully there are brighter days ahead in that franchise. Because again, since um the last couple of years, it's been ugly there. So hopefully Ryan's can get them back on track.
1: Yeah. I mean, Demeco Ryan's obviously a young coach. Kind of, I mean, you look around the league; younger coaches, kind of, do do well these days. I mean, obviously, you look at guys like uh, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan. I mean, Nick Sirianni, young coaches. So, I mean, Demeco Ryan's, Demeco Ryan. I I, I like the hire in in Houston. I mean, I guess the other two coaches they had, Cully and Lovey Smith. There wasn't really much of an identity, but I mean. Demeko Ryan, former NFL, like, good linebacker in the NFL and obviously was the defensive coordinator for the best defense in the NFL. So I think he certainly will upgrade the defense for sure. And it's just with the Texans, they're so far away from being anything that I think, like, they find, like, like you have to hire the right coach. And this is the third coach, which is going to be the third coach in three years. So I think hopefully he is the guy. I think he'll I think he certainly do a good job, like you said, a homecoming. So I expect him to do a solid job. I don't know necessarily if it'll like translate to wins right away, but I expect him to at least be given a chance. I mean, yeah, you said like he got a six-year deal, so I don't think they're going to fire Demeco Ryan after one year. So I expect him to be given a chance and try to – make this team good over the next few years and make it a successful rebuild i think he'll be able to do that
0: yeah i mean part of the reason why some of the coaches recently there have not been able to stay for longer than a year is really the talent that they've been given but also the fact that you mentioned like building an identity ryan obviously comes with a defensive past obviously they're going to hope that they're at least battle Defensively, Of course, you're not going to have the talent that he had in San Francisco. But I'm also curious to see if they try to build that team. Kind of similar how, like, Salah has built his defense. And, like, you see so many similarities between San Francisco's defense and the Jets' defense. I mean, maybe the corners now in New York are a lot better than the corners in San Francisco. I mean, Tredavious Ward's good in San Francisco, but I'm getting off topic. You know what I mean? I would love to see, like, I can't wait to see how he builds, like, who plays the Fred Warner role in a sense. I mean, those are insanely big shoes to step in. But, yeah, it's exciting for Houston, and hopefully they can find some sort of identity. And obviously with a new coach and a new franchise quarterback, um, brighter days are ahead for that franchise. Our last thing that we're going to talk about, core, is the Pro Bowl that's this week. And we're going to spend very minimal time on it because Tyler Huntley, Derek Carr, and Trevor Lawrence are the quarterbacks for the AFC in the Pro Bowl game that's not even being played. I mean, it went from near useless to – completely useless for me i don't bat an eye this week like when the pro bowl is on yes i guess some of the skills challenges will be cool and maybe will i watch a highlight of the flag football game being cool but yeah i mean at the end of the day like i don't even it's cool that all the players get together and stuff like that in vegas i believe it is that they're all going to be in one location and stuff like that and like a nice like PR thing if you ask me for the NFL that's really all it is if you ask me like it gets like a little a couple more viewership and stuff like that like it's cool obviously you have to have an all-star game and stuff like that but I mean it means nothing now knowing like it's meant nothing like the Pro Bowl like getting named to the Pro Bowl if you ask me with all the alternates that are named and like this year just reinforces that fact even if you get rid of the game like it still didn't fix the problem in a sense good that they're not playing the game because the game was unwatchable but yeah I mean again I, I just think the interest in the pro bowl is at a bare minimum which is a shame because obviously it can't be the same as other sports and stuff like that but like the nba all-star weekend is so awesome even like the home run derby and then the all-star game in baseball so much fun to watch and then like football the bigger of the the biggest of the three sports like just has this mess of a Pro Bowl where there's so many stars and so many people like play fantasy football so you want to follow guys like you have guys all over the country following your guys like Justin Jefferson and stuff like that and Austin Eckler because they're so good and so, like, attached to fantasy. And then, like, you get, like, all these guys together and you can't figure something out good for the Pro Bowl. So, who knows? Maybe the flag football game and the whole weekend will be cool this weekend, but I'm I'm not too bought in on it. And, again, I i couldn't believe when I woke up this morning that Tyler Huntley's going to the Pro Bowl. No disrespect, Tyler Huntley.
1: But... Yeah, I was about to say, like, no disrespect, but, I mean, the guy threw for – Two touchdowns. No disrespect. He
0: start, like, first of all, he started four games or five games. Like, the, I'm know. not even going to go into the numbers. He started five games. How are you a
1: pro bowl where do you start five games a quarterback? They had to have gone through, like, everybody and no now, one. Now, it's
0: because of, like, the fan. It's because of the fan vote is why he got it
1: or whatever. But, like,
0: well, that, that, that's a whole – yeah, it's a whole different story.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of a joke, obviously. Yeah. There's just no reason – Tyler Huntley should be starting in in a Pro Bowl. Like, obviously, no, yeah, no disrespect, but you ask Tyler Huntley, is he a Pro Bowl? Like, if you're actually talking Pro Bowl, is he a Pro Bowl quarterback? He's gonna obviously say no, because he's clearly not. So, you know, I think Tyler Huntley getting voted into the get going to the Pro Bowl kind of just you know makes it a little bit more of a joke. And I'm not turning this into a a Tyler. Huntley, like, row session, but the guy's just not a Pro Bowl quarterback, so you know, I think, yeah, the NFL, it's just tough for them to, with this being such a, like, physical sport, I mean, obviously doing flag football, but yeah, it's just not as entertaining and as watched as basketball and baseball, and yeah, I mean, Tyler Huntley being your Pro Bowl quarterback now, certainly, yeah, it's just not, it's just not it, that's all I gotta say.
0: Yeah, and, like, I don't know, like the like dodgeball, I guess, is pretty cool. And like the precision mm-hmm. passing, I guess, is pretty cool and stuff like that. But now like you don't even have the best of the best in it, which is such a shame, which is why I think the NFL really has to go back to potentially making the Pro Bowl a week after the Super Bowl and in Hawaii. Because at least like that's when they had it semi-right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong. It's always been like a little bit of a problem in that sense, but it's gotten so much worse once they made the suit, like once they made those changes. So I know it's expensive and stuff like that, but the NFL might have to like go back to that sort. And maybe we can get like a lot more viewership there, but like, again, like everybody wants to see Mahomes versus Josh Allen, like in like longest throws and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like in a throw off, like that would be so cool. Like, even Trevor Lawrence. Like that, that's going to be cool that Trevor Lawrence is there, obviously, and stuff like that. But, like, Trevor Lawrence, Derek Carr, and Tyler Huntley don't sell the same tickets and don't get the same views that Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, and Patrick Mahomes get. So, yeah, make it after. Let them play in Hawaii. You know, like, let them go to Hawaii and I don't know. Hopefully they can fix that. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully they prove me wrong and hopefully everybody watches it this weekend and it's so good. But I I just don't have any faith in that. But with that being said, core, that's going to be it for today's episode. The first episode of the 2022 season that we don't leave off with game picks. It's a little bittersweet. But as we mentioned, we didn't talk a ton about certain teams like the Chiefs and the Eagles weaknesses and their strengths and what they get what they have to do to win the Super Bowl. That we're saving that all for next week. We're gonna have a full in-depth game preview of that. We'll also talk about potentially the NFL honors because the NFL honors is next Thursday. That is February 9th. So we'll give a little bit of a predictions. Obviously, I think we know who's gonna win the MVP, but there are a couple other awards that I think that are definitely up for debate. So we'll definitely give you that. course is there anything you want to leave
1: off with? I think we touched on most. Yeah, I mean, this week we'll obviously nothing. Really going on, but yeah, we're back with the uh, Super Bowl previews, and yeah, that's about it. Yeah, tough void
0: to fill your Sundays. Um, Big Ten basketball on Sunday, maybe. I think <laughs> Michigan actually plays Ohio State in basketball, so if you're not tuning into the Flag Football Pro Bowl, I think that no, 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 that's what you might have to be resorted to. I'm sure there's golf, you can watch some golf on Sunday. I don't know, right, fill so your man, Sunday. So, yeah, of course, you got some NBA, right? NHL, too, right? Fill your Sunday with something other than football. It's a shame that it can't be football. But, of course, we have Super Bowl next Sunday. So, with that being said, that's going to be it. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.